This moment of respite is brought to you by Subway. Five footlongs, starting at four ninety nine each. Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Five footlongs, starting at four ninety nine each. Goodbye. Limited time for participating shops. Prices vary and are higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Extras additional plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. Guys, Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. I hope you're having a great summer. I hope you're enjoying life. I hope you're breathing. We've got a great show today. We're going to talk to uh, Danny Penman, PhD. He's written a book about the art of breathing, the secret of living mindfully. And you know, breathing is something we kind of take for granted, but it's so, so important to us. Every day, all day long, we breathe and breathe and breathe. Now, most folks in the Western cultures, we kind of do that mouth breathing and chest breathing and short breaths, and we have a lot of anxiety, et cetera. And it's really important to kind of get back to basics and learn how to breathe and how to use our breath to live mindfully. And that's something that so many of us are interested in, but we have so much uh, trouble and so many challenges in just getting ourselves to relax and settle down and really enjoy each breath and focusing on our breath. I, uh, I'm a meditator and, um, a lot of folks say just focus on your breath to meditate. I, I agree with that. I try not to focus on anything. I just let it go. I know how to take myself down my background. I have a background in hypnosis and also in Reiki and Breathing is so important to when we do it, when we're doing meditation, that it's something that you don't want to take for granted. I also am an excitable guy. I play sports, I'm in business, stress, everything else. And I've learned to take, this is a bad learning, uh, short breaths and get myself worked up and everything. And my wife, who's a high level yogi and that she uh, teaches yoga teachers, she says, you know, you got to like take deeper breaths and fill your abdomen and your stomach and, you know, with the air. And because some yogis say that uh, the amount of breaths you take, you get X amount of breaths in a lifetime and uh, everybody has their set amount. And once you reach that, that's, that's end of story. So I hope that's not the case because I take a lot of breaths. So anyhow, I'm really interested in learning about how we can do a better job of it. I've run three marathons and believe me, learning how to breathe was important in those races because you're out there for four and a half hours and breathing is a major part of getting that oxygenation uh, through your body and your blood and really helping you with the flow. In business, we need to breathe because so many people upset us in, in the stress level in just everyday life. We need to breathe. When we make love, we need to breathe and exchange breaths in a very intimate way. When we're given birth, the mother uses breathing techniques. 
the father's breathing very quickly. Believe me, I've been there when I caught my son. When we sleep, breathing is so important. Snoring comes into play sometimes. We want to learn how to, you know, really relax. And when we sleep, take deep breaths and relax. So breathing something that we don't think about, but we're doing all the time. And the connection that we're really going to be making today in our discussion is the connection between breathing and mindfulness, which is really living in, in the moment. So let me tell you a little bit about our, our guest, and then we'll take a very, very quick break, and then we will bring our guest on. So our guest, his name is Danny Penman. He's a PhD. He's going to be calling us in from, uh, from the UK. So we've got another uh, international visitor to Guys Guys Radio. He's a feature and comment writer for the UK's Daily Mail. He, after he got a PhD in biochemistry, he worked for the Independent and the BBC. He's co-author with Mark Williams of another book called Mindfulness, and he lives in England, and he can be reached at www.franticworld.com. Uh, I got the book a few weeks ago, and I've read it twice, and it's really good. It's, uh, it it, 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 it uh, leads you to a state of mindfulness just by reading the book and going through the exercises. So... Let's take a quick uh, break, and then we'll come back, and we'll bring out our special guest, the Guys Guys Radio, Danny Penman. And remember, you're listening to the Guys Guys Radio. Okay, we're back. We're back on Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. As I mentioned, our special guest is Danny Penman. I told you about him already, so why don't we take a deep breath and bring Danny on and discuss his new book. Good, e- good morning, good evening. Hello, Danny. How are you? Hi, I am very well. Thank you very much. Uh, it's kind of my very early evening, and you're kind of early, well, midday, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. This. Yep. Yep. So uh, yeah. I hope you're doing well, yeah. and I have to tell you, I really yeah. enjoyed your book. Yeah. So. Um, Oh, what was your inspiration? Let's let's start there. What was your in- inspiration to write about breathing? I know you wrote another book about mindfulness and breathing as a kind of a pathway to mindfulness. But tell us about really yes. what inspired you. Well, I flew into the side of a mountain. <laughs> um, this was about uh, ten years or so ago. I um, I used to be a very very keen paraglider pilot, and. If the weather was good, you'd find me flying somewhere over southern England. It was the absolute center of my life. And then about uh, 10 years ago, I uh, was out flying uh, over the Cotswold Hills, um, and which is about 100 miles uh, west of London. And my paragliding canopy collapsed. I mean, it completely imploded on me. And I fell head over heels onto the hillside below and uh, luckily I landed on my feet but unluckily the lower half of my right leg was uh, was driven through the knee and into my thigh um, so this was a really nasty and uh, painful accident and I was lying there on the hillside I had I, I just could not breathe you know I was completely stunned and you know I felt completely paralyzed and I you know for a few moments I thought well you know is this it you know am I you know just just about to die and I was 
surprisingly calm about it when I, you know, looking back, um, I think I was so stunned, you know, I, I wasn't actually uh, panicking in any way. And I suddenly remembered a form of meditation that I'd learned when I was about 16 or 17 years old. And we had been taught this um, when, you know, in, in, in school. And I'd used this very, very simple breathing uh, meditation uh, over the years to deal with the usual stresses and strains of, of daily life, you know, difficult work situations, uh, exams, all those, those kinds of things. But typically I would use it for a few days or a few weeks and then I would the problem would resolve itself and I'd just go back and not do it again. And somewhere along the line, I had heard that um, meditation could be used to control pain. And at this point, you know, I was in just suddenly hit by the most unbelievable pain. So I decided to give this meditation a try, you know, just to see if it could help me cope with, with, with the pain that I was experiencing. It's a very simple breathing meditation where you just focus on the sensations the air makes as it, as it flows in and out of your body. And much to my surprise, it very quickly began to work. Um, you know, within 30 seconds or so, the pain really began to diminish quite markedly. And it allowed me to kind of keep control of the situation so that I could phone an ambulance and describe where I was and, you know, just generally keep things together until, until the ambulance arrived. Took me to hospital and I was in hospital for a month. I had uh, three major operations and um, I had what's known as a, a Taylor spatial frame attached mm. to my leg. And this looks like, looked like a medieval torture device. There was three concentric titanium rings around the outside of my leg and then 16 by wires and bolts that were going from the frame into my leg through a fragment of bone and then out the other side so this was you know uh, a really horrific <laughs> device that was attached to my leg but you know this was it had just come out of the experimental stage really um it was just being started to be widely used um worldwide and um you know it'll, in essence, it saved my leg. You know, the, the surgeon said I would have had an 80% chance of losing my leg before this wow. technique was developed. Yeah, so it was, you know, I was glad. It left me in a lot of lingering pain, but I was glad I had this device on my leg. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, yeah. I had I spent about a month in hospital, um, and I began to use this meditation more and more because I, I was really quite surprised how effective it was at helping me to control the pain and also the kind of stress and anxiety and unhappiness that I was feeling. And when I went home, I, you know, the doctors told me that I would need this device on my leg for, I think they said 18 to 24 months. And, you know, I, you know, I decided that, you know, I just, I was throwing everything at the situation. You know, I was meditating a lot. I really improved my diet. But the thing that really made a difference, I think, was 
this meditation. You know, I could cut back on the amount of drugs that I I needed. Um, I reduced my painkiller intake by two thirds, um, mm. all through this very simple breathing meditation. And I, at this point, I didn't even know the name of the meditation I'd been using. And I subsequently learned that it was mindfulness meditation. And I tracked down a psychologist at Oxford University in the UK who'd taken these these basic mindfulness techniques and turned them into a treatment for the worst forms of depression. And it had just been proven to be at least as good as drugs or counselling for the worst forms of depression. And it was actually just starting to be rolled out through our health system because it was so, it is so, so effective. And despite this, I, you know, I, 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 I was, at the time I was a journalist and I kept on trying to get newspapers and magazines interested in this technique, this mindfulness technique. And, you know, 10 years ago, virtually nobody had heard of it and absolutely nobody was interested in it. And, you know, I, I, I became so frustrated by the situation. I sat down and with Mark, Professor Mark Williams at Oxford, and said, look, we are going to have to take your work and turn it into a book that ordinary people can use to, to improve mm-hmm. their lives. And that became... Uh, mindfulness, uh, an eight-week plan for finding peace in a frantic world, and it's now gone on. It's sold. I think it's just over a million copies worldwide. Uh, it's, wow. it's very popular yeah, in America. So it's, yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah. Uh, we're just delighted that we've kind of helping so many people really because it is such a, an important technique. I think. Now, how would you uh, define uh, mindfulness? Mindfulness is quite simply full conscious awareness, you know, full conscious awareness of everything that is going on in your mind and body and around you right now. So it's not really, people often think of it as living in the moment. um, And that's an element of it, but it's really just being fully aware of whatever is going on in your mind and your body, you know, the, the thoughts that are going through your mind, the emotions that you are feeling that kind of thing and mm-hmm. when you do that you it's really quite a dramatic effect you become an awful lot calmer you know a lot less anxious a lot less stressed yep. and and this is how the technique gains its power really now uh why are when we get to breathing as a key um, why don't you tell us danny um, why breath is so important to uh, achieving mindfulness and then how most people are uh, breathing incorrectly. Okay. Um, breathing is a very simple breathing meditations are the absolute heart of mindfulness. When you start a mindfulness course, the first thing they will do is teach you a simple breathing meditation. And this is where you just pay full conscious attention to all of the uh you know to to the sensations the air makes as it flows in and out of your body and the the, this works on many many levels um firstly if you're if you start to pay attention to your to your breathing you realize that actually 
all of your emotions and anxieties and stresses are reflected in the breath. And so it acts as, a, as an early warning system, really, for like the, the first signs of stress and anxiety that are building up in your body. Now, when you notice this, um, something remarkable begins to happen. It's, um, things like stress and anxiety and troubling thoughts are actually they're messages from kind of the deepest parts of our mind. Now, they're not just messages, they're also messengers. So if you feel your anxiety and stress as it's building up in your body, something remarkable happens. It begins to dissolve away of its own accord. Because what most people do is when they start to feel a bit anxious or stressed, the barriers come up. They try to suppress it. It's often seen as like a weakness. Actually, when you allow those feelings to be around for a few moments, they actually begin to diminish of, of their own accord. And so it's very powerful on, on, you know, on that level. But also the act of breathing, kind of, you know, a very conscious, deep breathing, um, uh, actually works on a physiological level as well. For example, if you are in a stressful situation and you begin to uh, consciously take a few breaths. You kickstart what's known as the parasympathetic nervous system. And this is the calming aspect of the nervous system. So what happens is you begin to uh, consciously relax and that allows your breath to be naturally begin to flow um, you know more effectively, the body, uh, the, the the body actually becomes more saturated with oxygen as well. Now your brain then relaxes a little bit more, and your body relaxes a little bit more, and your your breathing becomes naturally deeper and more rhythmic. So what's actually happening here is you get into this wonderful positive feedback system, which is the opposite to when you start to feel stressed um, because what happens then is your brain, if you, if, you, if you pay attention to your breathing and you, you, you're in a stressful situation, you, you notice that your kind of chest and uh, body and abdomen be tense very slightly. So your breathing is constricted. Now, what that does is, is the oxygen levels in the body, in the blood, begin to go down very slightly your brain then interprets that as even more stress and you tense up even more and you end up in this kind of downward spiral of, you know, kind of falling oxygen levels in the body. So you, you feel more and more stressed just by taking a few conscious deep breaths. You can actually reverse that whole process and end up in it like a positive spiral. Once you've taken a few deep breaths like that, you know, you can then just kind of relax and let your body breathe quite naturally. And that is the basis of a mindfulness uh, breathing meditation. Fantastic. Um, uh, Westerners in particular, we have a lot of trouble with some of our ingrained habits uh, based Mm. on our culture with media and fear and thinking of lack. We have, I guess, what you call a negativity bias and also yes. this trap of habit. Could you talk to us about, because I think those things are somewhat connected uh, because they're mm. obstacles for us. Could you talk about those, Danny, and how uh, 
you suggest that folks yeah. kind of get over those? Yes. Firstly, um, it's a bit of a troubling thought, but actually we humans are all hardwired to look on the, the dark side of life, the dark side of life or the bleak side of life. Now, this is quite simply because in the past, when we were living hundreds of thousands of years ago in, you know, in the African savannah mm-hmm. or wherever, if, if we were happy-go-lucky, we wouldn't notice the dangers of daily life, such as saber-toothed tigers or bears or whatever. <laughs> Right. So, <laughs> you know, we would not, you know, if we saw a rustle in the undergrowth, you know, a bit of uh, commotion in the undergrowth, and if we reacted as if it was a huge predator that was about to attack us and reacted by running away, we were more likely to survive than if we kind of shrugged our shoulders and we were happy-go-lucky and thought, oh, there's nothing to worry about, you know, just calm down, man, there's nothing to worry about. Very quickly, you would get eaten and your genes would be taken out of the human gene pool, you know. So we are hardwired to worry. That is the way we are as creatures. Now, obviously, in the modern world, uh, we are very rarely under that kind of immediate threat. Um, But those systems are still in place. We are still hardwired to worry. So we begin to see stresses and worries and dangers everywhere we look. In fact, it is so powerful that it takes uh, five positive things, roughly, to uh, outweigh a single negative thing. This is why there is such a uh, a prevalence of depression and anxiety and stress in Western culture in particular, because we have a little bit too much time in our hands, in a way. We've got time to worry. And, you know, we react according to our genes, which, is, which says, look out and, you know, wor- worry, essentially. <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. Now, the good thing is, once you realize that, you know, and it's uh, once you kind of start to meditate regularly, and you feel this kind of constant flux of fears and worries and concerns as they wash over you, you actually... Uh, paradoxically, don't worry about them so, so much. They just, they ju- you just see it as like just, you know, the, the highs and lows of being alive. It's less personal, you know. So you'll, mm-hmm. you, you know, you you go through the day without so many worries and concerns. Now you talk about. Um, um, we want to get into some of the practices that our listeners can can do on their own uh, before and when they get the book, but. The first one is so yeah. simple, and it's the five-seven breath, and I've been hmm. doing that, and it really just slows you down, and it has wonder, yeah. wonderful benefits from that. So, could you talk about that a little bit, Danny? Yeah, 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 yeah. When you get a chance, if you, for example, you might be standing in a line somewhere, or, or just sitting down in, in an office chair, just gently close your eyes and take a few long, slow, deep breaths. Now, as you're breathing in, if you just count to five, and then when you breathe out, just gently count to yourself. This is in your mind, just count seven on the way out. So as you breathe in, count to five. And as you breathe out, count to seven in your mind. And if you do that, even just a few times, you begin to kickstart the the minds or the bodies 
parasympathetic nervous system. And, you know, you end up in this wonderful spiral of, you know, that leads to increasing uh, relaxation. Got it. Um, as part of uh, kind of changing your, your habits, you mentioned um, the area where it's uh, called curiosity kills habits. You have some suggestions yeah. there. Maybe you could uh, share a few. Like one of them was spend 30 minutes less at work. I'm sure everybody would like to start with that one. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we are all creatures of habit. You know, uh, again, this is a feature of being human is that we try to streamline as much as we can through daily life just to free up our brain power, really. Now, cast your mind back to your first driving lesson, the first time you got in an automobile, it was terrifying. Um, everything seemed so complicated and, and now you just do it without thinking at all. This is purely down to our mind's wonderful ability to construct habits. And this frees up an awful lot of mental space for us to do other more interesting and useful things. Now, um, we don't just automate, you know, uh, the useful things in life. We also automate negative thinking. So true. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we can construct habits that will drive us completely crazy with anxiety, stress and negative thoughts, you know, so that, you know, you, you might, you know, you can just walk into, say, a shopping mall and, um, you know, it can trigger a whole spiral of negative habits of thinking, for example. It could be anything. It could be anything that triggers those habits. So very quickly, you can go from being perfectly happy and level-headed, and within a few minutes, you can be in the depths of despair. And it's often driven by habit. Now, the great thing about mindfulness in general, and specifically the breathing meditation, is it allows you to see your thought processes you know you it allows you to disengage from them and then you begin to notice them as these negative thought spirals begin these negative habits of thinking so instead of taking these thoughts personally you just see them as yet another series of background habits you know habits of thinking when you do that you are free from these negative states of mind you know not completely free mm -hmm. We all have our ups and downs, you know, it's not some like magical drug that's going to utterly, utterly change the way you think. But what it does is put you in a totally different frame of mind. So these negative states of mind, you don't take them so personally. You just see them as like clouds passing in the sky, you know, and that is incredibly therapeutic in its own way. It really is a very, very powerful technique. Now, you have some, uh, uh, first of all, um, Danny, the book is beautiful because it's so well put together. It's such a nice flow to the read and the design. Uh, whoever did your design yeah. uh, did a fantastic job. So congratulations on that. And it's very oh, user-friendly. And the meditations yeah. are great. You have one on the fruit meditation. Uh, you have an insightful meditation. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about um, insightful meditation because uh, I think yeah. uh, there's a lot to that. That's kind of... Uh, towards the latter part of the book, but it, you know, as we go along this path of different types of meditation, I think that's a really yeah. important one. It is. Uh, it's, it's a slightly more advanced 
meditation. You know, The Art of Breathing, the book, um, is really introduces the bare bones of, of mindfulness, you know. I mean, that's the idea, is to take all of the teachings and, and the, that went into my other books, uh, and it's kind of slimmed it all down into something that is a lot uh, more simple for, for ordinary people. Um, and the insight meditation really takes a lot of the ideas that are central to mindfulness and kind of wraps it up into what? Uh, meditation and the idea is you go into it and you do some very simple uh, breathing exercises where you spend a few minutes paying attention to the breath and the sensations of breathing and after a while you become aware of how noisy your mind is you know there's this constant background chatter of thoughts and they're constantly trying to lead you away from the meditation. And with the insight meditation, the idea is you notice these thoughts, uh, pay attention to them for a few moments, and just let them go, and then just return back to the sensations of breathing. Now, the way I describe it, it is very, very simple. But in practice, it, it takes you know uh, it takes a bit of effort uh, because the mind is very canny, you know. The mind wants you to think it will do its absolute level best to lead you away from that meditation and back to thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. But the, the, the idea of the inside meditation is it teaches you all this. You learn how the mind works and how it leads you astray and how it ties you in knots to create anxiety, stress, and depression. And... Once you really begin to notice this process, you know, it, uh, you become liberated from your negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, uh, I think for context, um, mm-hmm. it would be worth discussing the whole idea that the planet, how the planet breathes and uses oxygen and does its own breathing uh, throughout the seasons. Yeah. So people can kind yeah. of, our listeners can relate to that as they breathe uh, the whole planet. And we're all breathing, including the planet. Yes, that's, yeah, that's absolutely true, is that everything breathes. You know, we just think of ourselves and our fellow animals as as the only things that breathe. But actually, the planet does too. NASA has this wonderful video that shows our planet breathing. And what happens is, about this time of year, the... uh, the amount of sunlight reaching our planet crosses a hidden threshold. And the great forests and grasslands of the Northern Hemisphere just suddenly begin to set leaf and to bloom and to grow. And you get this unbelievable uh, outbreath of oxygen. You know, global carbon dioxide levels begin to plummet as plants use sunlight and carbon dioxide and begin to produce oxygen. So we get a wonderful outbreath of oxygen. And that carries on for five or six months. And then there's another threshold that's crossed, an invisible threshold, as the great forests and grasslands begin to shed their leaves and they begin to inhale um, the oxygen as all of this uh, plant 
matter begins to rot down. So you get this kind of tremendous outpouring of uh, carbon dioxide and a huge uptake of oxygen. So in a, in a very real sense, our planet breathes just like us. And this goes, it's not just our planet that behaves like this. You know, in a sense, the whole universe breathes. You know, um, stars breathe as they kind of inhale the hydrogen mm -hmm. and fuse it into helium. And eventually there's a huge outbreath as they explode into a huge supernova and just breathe out all of the material they have fused from raw hydrogen. You know, hydrogen is fused into helium and neon, this whole range of other gases that, you know, the, these suns just breathe out into the universe. And, Great. you know, it's just a wonderful, it's just a lovely analogy, I think. One of the uh, most insightful uh, things you mention in the book uh, is you are not your thoughts. You are the observer of your thoughts. And I think people yeah. need to understand that because I think uh, even in their working with their frequency and vibration and all of that, they have to realize that you don't control your thoughts. Your thoughts kind of keep going. You you know, we yeah. identify, we'll like call a different thought out, but we are not our thoughts. Would you agree, Danny? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, our, the mind is a curious place. Uh, you know, it is constantly uh, thinking away and it holds up these different ideas and concepts and thoughts. It just holds them up to our conscious mind. The way a, a, a small child holds up interesting toys to an approving adult. She just holds them mm -hmm. out and just <laughs> begs us to, you know, to take Got notice it. of them. And, uh, Fantastic. you know, that's, that's the way it works, but we can accept those thoughts consciously or we can just let them drift away consciously. You know, yep. Choices are ours. We are not our thoughts. Yep. Well, listen, uh, Danny, you did a fantastic job on this uh, book. It's a beautiful book. It's got a great message and very easy to work with and very helpful. So uh, I want to thank you on behalf of Guys Guys Radio and all our listeners for sharing this yeah. with us. It's a pleasure meeting you. Um, you're in, where are you in the UK? Um, I live about 100 miles uh, west of London um, okay. in a city called Bristol. Uh, you may have heard of it. You might not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the old port cities that used to trade with, with, with the States. Fantastic. I was just reading that uh, the Rolling Stones are just launching another tour and it's in the British Isles. And uh, if you haven't seen yeah. them, I know they're, you know, check it out because uh, I saw them two years ago in Pittsburgh of all places yeah. and they oh, were yeah. still yeah. full of energy. <laughs> yeah. And talk I about breathing. Mick Jagger yeah. can breathe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he, whenever you see him, he's as skinny as a rake, isn't he? And he's, yeah. But he clearly has these enormous lungs, you know, that he can just take a breath that keeps him going for half a song. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. You know, he st can yeah. still sing and fill up a stadium. That's the amazing thing because yeah. some of these, uh, yeah. some of these old rockers from the sixties, they can't bring it yeah. anymore in terms of, they can't project their voice and he doesn't have the yeah. most beautiful voice, but he can project the same way he yeah. did 30 years ago. It's really yeah. amazing. So anyhow, yeah. sorry to get yeah, off yeah, topic, yeah. but listen, no, I'm, worry, I'm, worry. uh, Pleasure meeting you, and I really enjoyed the book. And uh, thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio. I hope we can do it again. 
Yeah, no, no, that sounds sounds good to me. When I produce uh, an, an, a sequel to the uh, to the art of everything, I sure uh, you know I'll get I'll I'll get back to you if you don't mind. <laughs> that would be great. Okay, thank you so yeah. much, Danny. Have a nice evening. No problem. Thank you for your time and you. Right. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Okay. All right, folks. That was our special guest, Danny Penman. Again, the book is The Art of Breathing, and um, I think you'll really enjoy it. So check it out. You can find it in your bookstores and uh, online. And uh, it's a beautiful little book, and it's going to really help you out. So it's our special guest for today. Um, we're going to take a quick break, break, uh, break rather, <laughs> and then I'll do my guys, guys, guide of the week, and then uh, we'll we'll wrap up. So let's take a very quick break, and then we'll be right back. The Guys Guy Radio. Okay, we're back on Guys Guys Radio. Um, I do a little segment called The Guys Guys Guide every week. And uh, it's about anything having to do with life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, Guys Guys Radio, we've been around for over, we're approaching 300 podcasts now. And it all began with my novel, which is a rom-com, believe it or not, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. And it's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. And uh, from there, we started Guys Guys Radio. And I've got a, a screenplay and a TV series uh, based on the book and shopping those around. And in the meantime, we have uh, interviewed so many great guests, uh, relationship coaches, wellness experts, entertainers, fantasy football experts and uh we just keep going and going and going and the whole point is when men and women can be at their best everyone wins so what i do is uh do a guys guys guide of the week uh and for this week i want to talk a little bit about um money and relationships particularly when it comes to dating because when it comes to money and relationships people get into trouble sometimes uh because you need really need to be on the same page and you really need to know if you're not on the same page and then what you can do about it, if anything. So, you know, once upon a time, guys paid for everything and women were, weren't our bosses either and jobs weren't downsized and they weren't replaced by robots either. But, you know, life was simple then or, or was it, you know, a lot of changes has happened in the last 30, 40 years or so. And uh, because of that money can have a major effect on a relationship. So when it comes to dating, um, really the best time to set a tone for dealing with money in a relationship is right at the beginning. You know, although most men still earn more than women and uh, it's unfair because they get paid more to do the same job. Many things have changed over these past years. And back in the day, guys would ask a woman out and they'd automatically pay for the date. It was accepted, expected, but nowadays a lot of people meet online and they get together for a coffee or a drink or a poo-poo platter or whatever, but um, so it's a little different ball game. Um, and you've got a lot of women in the workplace who are making good money and they don't need guys to take care of them. But, but I suggest that when you go out on a first date, if you're a guy, you come up with a plan and you pick up the check, period. When the check comes, you pick it up. You asked her out, pick up the check and start there. Just suck it up and do it because it's not a bad thing and it's expected and it's the right thing to do. If you're going to get together again and the bill comes and you set up something, reach for the check again. And at this point, one of three things is going to happen. She'll either let you pay, she'll offer to split the tab, or she'll pick it up and say, oh, I got this one. It's still early part, part of the game, so it really doesn't matter. Um, and you know, you can easily pay for that second date. So go reach for the check and don't sweat it. I would say pay for it anyhow. 
After that, you hope she's going to come up with some type of plan in terms of how you guys are going to flow with the money. And based on whoever earns the more money and some other factors, there's usually a pattern that surfaces that suits both partners. However, if your date never picks up a tab or she never makes you dinner or never comes up with something that contributes to the relationship on her own, that's a potential to me, a potential red flag. You know, because some women still believe that the guy is responsible for all of the cash outlays in a relationship. And if that turns out to be the case, you have to decide then if that works for you. If you're both earning the same amount and she expects you to pay for everything, you've got to determine if it's a workable situation. In my experience, all the cool women I've dated were chill when it came to doling out the cash. It was just a flow happened that they would pick something up and I would pick something up and it just happened from there. But once in a while, you're going to find somebody who doesn't want to pay. And if you like her and she never picks up the tab and it bothers you, there's nothing wrong with bringing up the subject, although it might be a touchy area and it could become a deal breaker. But that's better than avoiding a potential sore point. I had one uh, woman I dated and we went out on about five dates and she never bought a drink or anything. And I said, you know, what's your point of view about how, you know, who pays for the dates? And she was like, Oh, the guy pays for everything. I said, okay. I never saw her again because I just didn't think that was a, she wasn't bringing anything else to the table in terms of the relationship. She didn't bake a cake or buy me a tie or come up with a clever plan for anything. It was like, everything was on my, for me to do. And that's okay at the beginning, but after, you know, after three dates or so, I think both, partners need to contribute. But that's me. You have to make your own rules. But the point is that money in today's day and age uh, is a factor when it gets into relationships and you have to set your own boundaries and you have to have your own perspective on it. But I would strongly suggest if you're a guy, the first date, come up with a plan, pick up the check. Second date, come up with a plan, offer to pick up the check and you'll take it from there and you'll see what works. And usually when two people really care about each other, they manage to navigate the financial waters uh, together, uh, both having a hand on the captain's wheel. So anyhow, and so my guys, guy of the week is all the couples who've managed to successfully uh, manage their money issues together and not let it get in the way of their relationships. So best to all of you. So that's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, remember to slow down your breathing. Remember to be mindful and remember that Guys, guys, finish first.